We are in the book of Ephesians, and we are now over with the, the study of, of a husband and wife relationship. We've taken a, a look as, as closely as we can of what it looks like for a, a husband and a wife to live together. So consequently, what, what, what the Lord would do is naturally move us into a family situation. Children, parents, how do we deal with that subject? And, and that's where we are in Ephesians chapter 6. Would you please turn with me there? In Ephesians, we have taken a look at husbands and wives. We saw that a wife is not to try to control her husband. Part of the curse that falls upon every woman on the face of this earth is that when she bears children, she will bear forth children in pain. Yet it says her desire shall be for her husband. And the word desire there means to try to control. It is a part of the curse. And so what we learned last week when we took a look at, at 1 Peter chapter 3, we learned that a woman should, should win her husband over by trusting in God to move in his life. Without any fear, the Bible says, Peter says uh, through the Lord, that, that a woman should be, have a gentle and quiet spirit. The, the word quiet there means calm. That she should have her actions speak much more loudly than her words. The quality the Bible speaks of in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4 is that this gentle and quiet spirit is precious in the sight of the Lord. That's the one that the women are trying to please, the Lord, to change their husband. On the other hand, husbands, the responsibility that we have within our family is monumental. We are to be our wives' lovers. We are to love our wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. And what we learned last week in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 is that we are to honor our wives. We are to live with them, the Bible says, in an understanding way, which is a farming term. It, it is to understand our wives so as to put her in a place where she will flourish as a woman. I know of no other privilege as a man on this earth who is married than to love my wife. I don't see that as a burden. I don't see that as a, a job. I don't see that as, as anything more than just the privilege that, that God has given me to the woman that I have married. And it is my, my full-time desire to allow Kay, my wife, to know that I love her more than anything else apart from Jesus Christ on the face of this earth. And I allow her to know that every single day that I live. I try to tell her that. I try to make her sure that she is secure in her husband's love for her. That is a great privilege we have as men. That privilege moves on to our children. There is absolutely no greater privilege than a father to allow his children to know that he is blessed by and through them beyond anything and anyone you could ever imagine. Therefore, I tell my kids every time that I talk to them, I love them. I have already placed my blessings upon my son and my daughter. I, I, I don't need to do that on my deathbed. I have done that. I have blessed my children and given them over to the Lord and, and allow them to know that. 
and consequently, I have a great, really wonderful relationship with my kids. Uh, my son calls me every day. My, my daughter right now is in England, so I don't get to talk to her every day. But uh, when I do, we exchange how much we love one another. But my son will call me every day. And here's my son. Here's, here's what's so great about my son and my relationship with him. He knows me to a T. He knows that I hate telephones. Do you like telephones? I hate telephones. I hate calling. I hate receiving calls. But I love hearing from him. Here's what he does. He calls me just the other day, just yesterday, I think it was. He says, Dad, how are you? Fine. I've been fighting a cold. How are you cold? I'm fine. He says, you've been watching any of the basketball games? I said, not much, son. Not, don't care that much about it this year. He says, um, we're doing great. Just wanted to call you. I'll tell you I love you. I'll see you later. Boom, hung up. That's it. That's the greatest phone call in the world. I don't need any more than that. I know the kids are fine. He's fine. He's doing okay. I'm not watching basketball. He loves me. That's plenty. And that took about less than a minute, and it made me the happiest person on the face of this earth, and I want to hear from him again today, and I don't want the conversation to go more than a minute. <laughs> In that process, we let each other know how much we love one another. Gentlemen, when we take a look at the study of our children, there is no greater picture this might be overstatement this is there is one of the greatest ways that your children will see the love of jesus christ in their lives as is when they observe your love for their mother your wife that security as they see you as a dad loving their mother gives them a picture of Christ and His love for them as well. And so the responsibility for us as husbands is monumental. Yes, the wife is to not to try to control her husband, but husbands, we are to love our wives. Now before we read these three verses that we're going to take a look at today, chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to read with me a tremendous place in Scripture. Now we have just talked about husbands and wives, and so I believe it's just natural that God would have moved Paul to speak about children and parents. In verse 1 of chapter 6, Paul begins by saying, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Next week we're going to take a look at disciplining, but this week we want to take a look at children honoring their parents. Now you might be here this, this morning and you say, great, I came to church and now he's going to be talking about kids and it has nothing to do with me. What in the world am I going to learn? Well, you're going to learn much. Because the word children in verse 1 doesn't speak of a little child. It speaks of an offspring, which we all are. We are all children of our parents. Those of you who are fortunate enough to still have your mother and your father here on this earth with you. 
It is a blessing beyond your wildest dreams. You ought to love on them. Allow them to know how much you love them. Uh, I, both of my parents have gone to be with the Lord. And um, I miss them. It's like a, a part of me, when my father and my mother died, a part of me kind of left. It's like a puzzle that has a couple of pieces missing. I miss my mom and dad a lot. Think about them a lot. I was, I am one of the very fortunate of people that have had a, a really a great upbringing. My mom and dad were not believers in Jesus Christ all through my youth, but my father and my mother had more integrity than most Christians I've ever, I've ever met. Uh, they were really honest and good, good people, and it had, it was a privilege for me to be able to honor my mom and my dad. But I want to talk to you about that this morning because it is critical in your life and my life. Before we get into that, let's pray. Father, we come upon a very very wonderful place in your word talking about your design for families, dealing first with children and honoring their parents. You even give us a promise with that honoring father you say that it is a commandment with a promise and that is that it would be well with us and that we may live long upon this earth if we would just honor our moms and dads so i pray father that you would open up our eyes and allow us to behold wonderful things that come from your law the very the very bibles that we hold in our laps that you would father bless 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 this study it is an important one. One that I come to with fear and trembling. Because uh, I know of no other prayer request that, that probably falls from the lips of parents and grandparents as critical than our asking of you, Father, to bless our children. Than asking you, Father, to allow our children to become godly adults and to live fulfilled lives and yet father so many of us i think feel helpless when it comes to that prayer for our children so father i just pray that you would move me aside so that you might clearly explain what it is to be a a godly offspring to our parents i pray these things in jesus most precious and holy name amen I come to you um, with full disclosure, as transparent as I always am. This is a difficult topic for me because um, I read once Dr. McGee said this. He says, I never really felt like I was the father that I wanted to be. I really never felt that I was a preacher that I wanted to be. I never really felt, he says, that I was the husband that I wanted to be. He says, I felt like I felt short in every area. I can confess to that. I confessed last night that um, it's probably way too personal. And, but in, in our life, my, my wife's and mine, I owe so much to her. She is um, a rock-solid believer in Jesus Christ, in my opinion. And she has taught me as much as anyone I've ever known. We were raising our son about the 11th grade year. He went off, and I thought all of a sudden, we went from the 10th grade year to the 11th grade year, and all of a sudden I felt like we were raising Charlie Manson. It just 
I don't know what happened in that year. And it got so bad that uh, Kay says, you know, if you don't want to listen to us, we're going to ask you to leave our house. When I got alone, I says, we're not going to ask him to leave our house. I would never do that. So we discussed it, and we asked him to leave our house. <laughs> it was a very honest discussion. It wasn't like all one-sided. I I got to say a couple of things. No, no. And um, it was it was the single most difficult thing decision I ever made. I um I didn't like it. I didn't think it had any reward. I still get choked up over it. I didn't see any value in it. I didn't see leaving. Putting him out would help us as a family. But we did. About a year later, my son was, my wife was driving my son back from um, San Diego, and he said, You know, darn you and mom and dad. He says, You know, all the things you taught me, he says, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let go. He says, all the things that you taught me about the Lord kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And today, I must admit to you, he is one of my heroes in my life. My son is. I watch him with his children, and I think, what a dad this guy is. I watch him love his wife, and I think, what a husband he is. And so I confess to you, this topic is not the easiest for me. I've watched, like maybe some of you have, some really godly families just separate and split. And you wonder why. I've often asked God, if, if coming to you is a, a blessing in my life as it has been, could you not at least give us a perk as Christians of, of at least letting our kids follow after you. And so talking about God's design for marriage concerning the family is, uh, is critical in my life for you because I have seen some families just fall apart. Now, the word here for children in verse 1, as I mentioned to you, is not a little child. It is offspring. And since all of us have parents, this verse 1, this verses 1, 2, and 3 apply to every single one of us seated here this morning. You're going to learn something from this. Whether you be a parent or whether you be an offspring. The first thing that we must note in verse 1 is the word obedience and honoring. Look, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Verse 2, honor your mom and your dad. It gives a promise that things will be well with you. Long will be your days on this earth. Now I'm going to ask you to turn with me to a 
a kind of a few scriptures today. We're going to look at um, mostly Proverbs. If you want to kind of hold your place here in Ephesians, but find the middle of your Bible. That's the book of Psalms, pretty much. And right to the right of the book of Psalms is the book of Proverbs. But we're also going to look at, at Deuteronomy. But And some of those, you can just listen to the verses and write them down and look at them later. But I do want you to be in the book of Proverbs with me for a moment as we look at some critical issues about children. You see, the Bible speaks that there are only two types of children on the face of this earth. Good and evil. You know, it's just like, it's just like mankind. I mean, Dr. McGee has it right, hits it right on the head when he says, you're either a saint or what? Or you ain't. You, you, there's, no, there's no middle ground. You're either a believer or you're not a believer. And I know that people don't like the word evil anymore, but there is only good and evil. And so what we're going to do is take a look at the characteristics of an evil child. There are at least seven in the book of Proverbs, probably more. But let me start with the first characteristic of an evil child, and that is a, a child that dishonors his mother and his father. But that's not in the book of Proverbs, so I, I ask your forgiveness. It's, it's in the book of Deuteronomy, but you can listen, please. Or you can flip to it real quickly if you want, but I'll, I'll probably pass it by by the time you get there. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 16 says, Cursed is the child who dishonors his mother and his father. Now, how do we dishonor our parents? Well, Ezekiel tells us one way. Ezekiel 22.7 says, They have treated their mother and their father lightly. The word lightly there means with little esteem. In other words, living with your mother and your father as if they are not important to you. This dishonors your mother and your father. You know, it's, uh, it's such a privilege to honor your parents. I found that in the life of my mom and dad, one of the ways that I could love them the most, of course, was to be close to my sister. They always, we always wanted our families to be close. But another way that I could honor my mom and dad was to honor their friends the older people that, that hung around my mom and dad. One guy in particular, he, he loved my dad. Oh my God, he loved my dad. They were, they were raised together when they were little kids. And, and now they were in, at that time, they were in their late 70s, early 80s. And his name was Joe, Joe Joberts. And I used to always kind of cuddle up to Joe and say, Joe, how are you? And what's up going on in your life? And and eventually we would say, I'd say, tell me a little bit more about you and dad. Tell me about how you, when you guys were kids. And he would say, oh, we used to go to the beach or to the lake. And he says, we'd chase after all the girls. And I'd love to listen to all of these stories that he would tell me. Usually they were the same ones over and over again. And, and I get it now. Now that I'm his age back then, I tell the same stories over and over again. And I would look at my father when I would talk to Joe or I would look at my mom and they would just beam that I would fuss over their friends. 
It was a way of honoring my mom and my dad. And the Bible says to those of us as children, cursed is the child who dishonors his parents, who esteems them lightly or gives them very little esteem. Now, let's look through the book of Proverbs a little bit. Look at at chapter 19 with me, please. Verse 26. An evil child is also one who abuses his mom and dad. Proverbs 19, verse 26 says, He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. Abuses mom and dad. It kind of goes along with dishonoring, doesn't it? Uh, of, of holding them with little esteem. It is a good child who cares for his mother and his father. Another is in Proverbs chapter 15. Look at Proverbs chapter 15 with me, please. Look at verse 5. An evil child is one who objects to the discipline that his parents give him. In Proverbs 15, 5, it says, A fool rejects his father's discipline but he who regards reproof is prudent. Listen, I don't care how old you are. You ought to listen to what your parents tell you. There is nobody on the face of this good earth that loves you more than a godly parent. And I don't care how old we get. It is good for us to listen to the wisdom of our mothers and our fathers who come to us and talk to us about things. I, I, I can still remember I was in my 40s and my dad would would come to me and correct me sometimes about the way I was dealing with my son or or the way I was dealing with things in my life and I would I would listen to my dad because my dad and I had a really a good relationship and I honored or tried to honor my father by allowing him to discipline me rather than thinking hey who are you I'm I'm old enough I know the difference now between what I should and shouldn't do No, it says a fool. A child is a fool who rejects his father's discipline. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 7. This is really a a key proverb. An evil child is one who chooses evil friends. You ever hear anybody say, I fell fell into the wrong crowd. Listen, you don't fall into the wrong crowd. You choose your friends. When I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I ran around with a pretty rough crowd. God was very gracious to me. He allowed some of them to say, I don't want to see you anymore, to me. He chose for me that He cut them off. God did. Some of the guys I hung around with because I said I was now a Christian didn't want to have anything to do with me and pushed me aside. That was a blessing and some of the other people that I hung around with that was my old style of friends, I, I chose to not hang with them anymore. Started hanging around with people that I used to think were weird. You people. Christians. Oh boy, did they think I was weird. You choose your friends. In Proverbs 28, 7 says that he who keeps 
The law is discerning a discerning son, but he who companions who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. That would be parents. The child who keeps the law is a discerning child, but the child who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his parents. Be careful who you hang around with. I remember my son's life, I I gave him that warning over and over again. I said, you know, John Mark, you are who you hang around with, you know. And I tried to drive into my son's heart as well as my daughter's heart is that I wanted them to be leaders. I wanted them to 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 be the ones that chose where they were going, to chose what they would choose what they were going to do, not to just follow after every whim and every fancy of every one of their friends, but rather to be leaders. I said something last night that I probably shouldn't have said. I've said it before and I got a little bit of trouble from it. I, I, you got to hear me now. Hear me through when I say this. I told my son one time in the presence of another person, look, it, I don't want you to do drugs. I don't ever want you to do drugs, but if you're going to do drugs, I want you to sell them. I don't want you to buy them. And that person looked at me and said, how can you say that? Well, they didn't understand what I was saying. I wanted my son to be a leader. I wanted him to lead. And of course I didn't want him to do drugs. Of course I didn't want him to sell drugs. But my point is that I wanted my son to lead, not follow. I wanted him to be a person that chose to follow and lead people to Jesus Christ. That's what I wanted for my son. That's what I wanted for my daughter. And so we need, to, we need to be considerate about those decisions that we make. Choosing who we will hang around with. Choosing what we will do with our lives as children. Proverbs 28. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 24 this time. An evil child is one who steals from his parents. Look what it says in Proverbs 28, 24. It says, he who robs his father or his mother and says, it's not a transgression, is the companion of a man who destroys. Now you might ask the question, how do you rob from your parents? Well, for instance, you go to your parents and you say, I, I, I need some money, I'm, I'm down and out. Would you please loan me 20, 10, 20, 500, $1,000? And later you say, you know, it's just my parents, they'll understand, I, I don't need to pay them back. No, no, the Bible says that we are robbing our parents and we are like one who destroys our parents if we do not honor and give them back what they gave to us. Now, you might be like me. You might give to your son or your daughter and when they come back and you'll say to them, look, I'm fine. I don't need it. Keep it. Keep it. That's, that's a decision that a parent makes, but that's not the decision that the child makes. The offspring doesn't make that person who robs from his mother and his father and says it's not a transgression that child is a companion of a man who will destroy six an even child is also look at proverbs 29 look at verse 15 this might be the worst it's the pride the, the child who is prideful and spoiled it says in proverbs 29 15 the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way will bring shame to his mother. We're going to talk next week about verse 4, what it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but 
bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We're going to be talking about about uh, rod and reproof next week, which is politically incorrect. I will give you that. I know of someone who who is disciplining their child, rightfully so. I know the whole story. Rightfully so, was disciplining their child, and and that child went to school and. And, and the teacher saw him, what's wrong? Well, mommy spanked me. Oh, your mother hit you? Yes. Doot, doot, doot. Dialed the phone, called, what do they call, what do they call that, people? Child protection? Called them. Ding dong. Ding dong. The mother went to the door and said, uh, I understand that you're beating your child. They threatened to take away their children from them. That's the day and age in which we live today. The Bible says that a parent that does not reprove and does not discipline his child is a is a bad parent we're going to talk about that next week what does it mean to discipline your children but the child who becomes spoiled the child that gets his own way it says here is the one who brings shame to his parents there's nothing wrong with discipline there's nothing wrong with with telling your children, no, no, you cannot do that. You know, it's a, there's, a, there's a great study that I, I've read of before that they did this study. They, they had a large field, and they, and, and they had this field, and they had the kids go out and play, and all the kids kind of stayed right near the middle of the field. They didn't go too far because there was no real boundaries in that field. There was no, there was no fence around it. It was wide open, and the kids did not go out very far they kind of stayed clustered in the middle they took that same field and they built a fence around it and they sent those same kids out there and those kids went all over that field to the boundaries they just played on all parts of it there is something good about having a boundary for your children having a place that they know that they're safe and secure in but they can't go beyond that it's a good parent that knows to discipline his child so that they do not become prideful and spoiled that they don't get their own way all the time seventh and last is proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11 it's a child who speaks against his parent it says in proverbs 30 verse 11 there is a kind of of man who curses his father and does not bless his mom There's no more greater privilege that you and I can have than to bless our parents and to speak kindly of them. Nothing is more discouraging to me than to hear someone talk about a part of their family, especially a wife, but a part of the family is with disrespect. It's just not should be done. Husbands, this is a lesson for us to speak uh, unkindly of your wife in, in any kind of setting is, is terrible. I've heard guys say, you know, just joking, you know, oh, my wife, she's really religious. She gives me burnt offerings all the time when she cooks, you know. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but, but for the woman, it's not funny all the time to hear that said in a mixed crowd that her husband doesn't like the way she cooks. It, it doesn't fly with me, and it doesn't fly, I don't think, with our Lord. And so the Bible says, don't speak against your parents. 
So the seven characteristics that we see here in, in Proverbs basically is, is an evil child is one who dishonors his mom and dad, it abuses them either physically or verbally, objects to discipline, just won't listen to them. They think, well, I'm, I'm too old for this. Chooses evil friends, steals or, or borrows from his parents and doesn't repay, becomes prideful, spoiled, speaks evil against them. The Bible's clear that, that God seems to judge the children who treat their parents in this fashion. Don't ever forget what we just read in, in Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians, please. Chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Don't, don't ever forget that we are to obey our, obey our parents in the Lord because this is right. We're to honor our parents. It's a commandment that gives us a promise that it might be well with us, that it might, we might live long on this earth. Well, how can then we be children who are not disobedient? Well, verse 1 tells it clearly. It's obey. Now, the word obey is a very interesting Greek word. It's, it, 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 is, it is hupakua. Hupakua. Let's break it down. Hupa means under. Akua means to hear. Literally, it means to hear or to listen under the authority of another. In other words, to obey our parents. Now, the word authority is a lot like the word submission. It, it, it often makes us rebel. It, we just don't like it. It, it, it brings about a, a reaction from many of us, teenagers. And some of us who are even older seem to rebel against our parents because we don't want their authority over us anymore. We feel like we're older now. We know better than them. We know what we ought to do and not do. You see, God understands this thought process beautifully. I want to show you something that will just, I hope, amaze you. Look at Romans, please. Romans chapter 7. In fact, let me look ahead. Yeah, look at Romans chapter 7. The Ten Commandments was given for a purpose. Do you know what the purpose is? The Ten Commandments were not given to bring us to God. Do you know that? The Ten Commandments were given to show us how much we need God. And like a teenage child or a rebellious adult, when we hear God's law, it makes us rebel. Let me show you what Paul says about this. In Romans chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Is the law or the Ten Commandments? Is that sin? May it never be, he writes. On the contrary... Paul says, I would not have come to known sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, he says in verse 8, taking opportunity through the law, the Ten Commandments, produces in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Listen, what Paul is saying is this. Let me give you as clear a picture as I know how. Let's paint this wall. No, yeah, this wall. But let's put a big sign on it. Do not touch wet. You know what's going to happen? People, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. People are going to walk up and touch it. Well, for some, they want to see if it's wet, perhaps. But for others, they just don't like 
anybody telling them what they can and cannot touch. And so they will touch it. Paint the same wall. Don't put anything on it and nobody will go near it. But do not touch. Makes us reach out and touch. It's, it's what the Ten Commandments have done for us. They show us how much we have this desire of rebellion within us. And God gave us the Ten Commandments to show us how badly and desperately we need Him and His forgiveness through Jesus Christ for our sin. Listen to Galatians chapter 3. Paul writes, Therefore, the law has become our tutor. The law, the Ten Commandments, have become our teacher. And it leads us to Jesus Christ so that we might be justified through faith. The Ten Commandments lead us to our Lord so that we might have forgiveness, so that we might be justified through faith. God tells all of us, young and old, we are to obey our parents. Why? Because who do you think loves you more besides God than godly parents? Nobody. There's no one more committed to your success as an offspring than a godly parent. Young people, if you're here, there's nobody Nobody on the face of this good earth that loves you and wants more for you than your mother and your father. And so what does it say? Colossians, for instance, 3.20. Children, offsprings, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is, listen, well-pleasing to God. Be obedient to your parents in all things because this is well-pleasing not to your parents. It's well-pleasing to God. We are to be obedient, it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. We are to be obedient to our parents in the Lord because this is the right thing to do. Moms and dads, it is a great responsibility to raise our children to know and love the Lord. Truly, it's a full-time job. Don't ever be mistaken to think that the church is where your children will come to know Christ. Yes, we are willing to do that. Yes, we want to lead your children to Christ. But your children ought to be led to Christ in their own homes, by their own moms and dads. My son led his sister to Christ when they were playing outside when she was a little girl. I would have loved to have heard that conversation. How in the world were they playing? I remember they were playing on this three-wheeler we got them. And how the conversation came for Cassie to become a believer is beyond me. But she came back in the house and she said, Mommy, Daddy, Johnny taught me about Jesus and I came to believe in Jesus. I mean, you, you talk about a moment in a parent's life. That's where kids ought to come to Christ through our families. Now we... We want to lead them to Christ here. We want to teach them about Christ here. But where they're going to see Christ, dads, is, is when your children see how much you love their mother, your wife. That'll be the clearest picture that they'll see outside of the Bible of Jesus Christ ever in their lives. And so it's our responsibility as parents to, to raise our children to know and to love the Lord and it's a full-time job. 
You know, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, says, listen to this, it says, for those, it says, whoever causes one of these little ones, Jesus was saying, one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, he says. It's better for them that, you know the story? A millstone be, be hung around their neck and they be drowned in the depth of a sea. You know, when we do a, a baby dedication here at the church, we've always talked about Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says these words, God's commandments, these words which I am commanding you today, they shall be on your hearts, it says to the parents, and you shall teach them to your children diligently. Teach them when you sit in your home. Teach them when you walk by the way. Teach them when you lie down. Teach them when you rise up. In other words, it's a it's a 24-hour, a seven-day-a-week job. Morning, noon, and night, the responsibilities is yours and mine to love and to take every opportunity to teach our children about Christ. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but whenever I talk to your kids, when they are little, I get down on my knees so I can look at them eye level. I want them to feel comfortable in church. I don't want them to think this is a bad place. And God forbid, I don't want them to think that the pastor is a mean old guy. And so I get down. I hurts my knees every time I get down. And someone has to help me up. God bless you that you get me up after I get down. But I want the kids to feel comfortable. I'll never forget, ever, never forget. One experience happened to me. I was doing a wedding. And I didn't know all the people that were involved. And I walked in. It was back at Yorba Linda Friends Church in the sanctuary. It had where they had pews, you know. They didn't have separate seats. They were all pews. And this one kid was jumping over one pew to the other, and he was having the time of his life. And I looked at him, and I smiled. And I think, that's good. Let him enjoy church. But I I believe it was his grandmother. And she saw me, and she says, here comes the pastor. He's going to discipline you for being on the pews. And I said, no, I'm not, son. Enjoy yourself. I I wasn't going to let her make me the bad guy. In fact, I didn't want to be the bad guy. In fact, if he wanted to jump on that till it broke, it came. I didn't want him to break it, but by golly, I didn't want him to feel like church was a bad place. I want us to feel that our kids can come here and enjoy the experience they have here in these four walls. And I want all of us to love on our kids. All of the kids ought to be your kids. We ought to love them to the best of our ability. Raising children is a difficult job, and we need all the help that we can get from one another. And there is no greater lesson that you and I can give to our children and our grandchildren than to know and to love Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And there are few greater loves that are more important than your love as an offspring for your parents. And so if there's nothing else that we learned this morning, may I say to you, if you have the privilege of having your mother and your father still alive, call them, see them, honor them. Let them know how much you love them. If that relationship has been severed a little bit, I would ask you to pray and think, how can you make it right again? How can you make it right again? The love that you and I have for our mothers and our fathers is critical. Honor 
your mom and dad. It is a promise that God gives to you and me. Long will be our days on this earth, and it will be well with us. Father in heaven, the most precious gift you've given us outside of your son is the whole relationship of family. And each of us as children, offsprings of parents, are to honor our parents as best we know how. If any of these uh, traits that we just looked at this morning of dishonoring and abusing and objecting discipline and hanging around with the wrong crowd and stealing or borrowing and not repaying and being prideful and spoiled or speaking evil against our our parents, may may we do away with those things. May we just love and honor our moms and dads the best we know how. And Father, I want to thank you for everybody here at this church. I, I, I unashamedly, Father, love this place and love these people more than I can ever put into word. It is my privilege to love my wife. It is my privilege to love my children and my family. And it is my privilege and my joy to love the people in this church and the children of this church. God, will you bless each of us this special day, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you more than I can put into words. Thank you for being here today, and I'll see you next week. God bless you.